Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So that's basically my sophomore year is when I made my mind up. I'm going to go fight for a little bit after college, um, mainly because, you know, I'm still going to be very young. I, I didn't really want to go get a office job or go get a job right away mm-hmm. if, especially if i could jump into something that's going to make good money um but the the thing i told myself was look i'll try this for a little bit if i suck at it i'll go get a real job <laughs> if i'm good at it screw it i'll just do it for a while um I ended up being good at it and you know ended up fighting through up through the ufc rank so um yeah man it was it was crazy a lot of different steps in my life to get me where i'm at now but i wouldn't change any of it I'm Chad Belding. And I'm Chad Mendez, and this is the Tom Rowland Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast today. Me and Moose are sitting right here in the in the studio. We have an awesome show for you today. I just uh, really, really excited to have Chad Mendez, UFC star on the podcast. I have uh, tried to get him on the podcast for a long time. We have a number of mutual friends. We've talked about it. If you don't know, Chad is a uh, UFC fighter that has had a, an incredible career. Uh, he's fought Jose Aldo. He fought Conor McGregor. He's fought so many UFC stars and had just an incredible, incredible career. And uh, before that, he was a NCAA uh, runner-up. He was a two-time All-American in wrestling, and he is just an all-around great guy that has made it um, vocal about being a hunter and a fisherman all through his UFC career. And um, so I was a fan immediately. If I see a wrestler that likes to hunt and fish, that's absolutely going to be my guy. So Chad Mendez has been been the guy that I've been rooting for for a long time. It's really cool to get him on the podcast because, you know, we got a lot in common. He loves to hunt and fish. I love to hunt and fish. Um, and we also have Chad Belding. Chad Belding is his partner and uh, uh, started the 
brand banded and he can tell the story of starting that brand and building that brand and where it is today these guys have a number of businesses together and the the amount of entrepreneurial knowledge that gets spilt in this podcast is incredible i love it this is a fantastic conversation so whether you're a ufc fighter fan whether you're a hunter whether you're a fisherman whether you're an entrepreneur whether you're a person that likes to understand someone's mindset when they're successful and what what it takes to be successful in either business or sport or anything, this is an awesome podcast. Chad Belding and Chad Mendez coming up right now. All right, Chad and Chad, how you doing, man? Good, man. It's it's been good over here outside of the smoke, but yeah, you got a lot of fires. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal: develop high quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com I'm in California, man. It's the whole state's on fire. Seems like the whole West is on fire. My boys are in Montana. They're they're in Bozeman, Montana, and they've... um, they said they got a lot of rain recently, and that really helped help the the fires. It's it's not yeah, as smoky. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And Chad, where are you? Chad Belding. I'm in Reno Tahoe. It's smoky as heck here. Probably 87 degrees today, and we had that Dixie fire up by Lake Almanor, and then we just had the big one south of Lake Tahoe that's over almost 150,000 acres already. And the air quality is terrible, man. It's like 275 right now. Burns your lungs. So mm. not good. But uh, praying for all the firefighters and the all the hot shots and everybody trying to fight to save these residents and all of these structures in the forest. And um, we're praying for them every day. Right on, man. I, I am too. I, that's a, that's a tough situation, but it's been, it's been so dry out West all summer, all, all the West. But anyway, um, well, Chad, uh, Mendez, we've been trying to do this for a while. We've got some mutual friends with just like your, your friend, uh, Clay, the carpenter Guida, you got his shirt on right now. Uh, we had him on the show not too long ago, did a podcast with him. Um, a lot of people know you as UFC, um, UFC star before that you were a wrestler and, um, you've always been a deer hunter and a fisherman. I mean, I remember you used to go in the early days of UFC, you were the, you were the people's champ right out of deer camp, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh yeah. That's a Cole Ford song. I love that, man. I heard that for the first time. I was like, I gotta, I gotta put that somewhere in my life. <laughs> you gotta have it. So all, how did you, um, how did you get into, uh, hunting so much, um, when you were growing up? I'm assuming that's when it happened. It was all my dad, my dad and my brothers, you know, we, um, I'm from Hanford, California, basically the armpit of California. And we, uh, we used to go up above, you know, Fresno, like Shaver Lake, wish on old dinky Creek area. And that's, that's where we would hunt blacktail mule deer crosses up there every year. And that's kind of where I got into it. And then, you know, in the Valley where I was from, there was, and when I was younger, there was more pheasant. We'd get into pheasant, a lot of dove hunting, um, always go out to the river and, uh, you know, catfish, bass fish up to the mountains for trout. Um, and that's just kind of where my love for all that stuff came from doing it with the family. And, um, it soon became an obsession and <laughs> now here we are today. So, yeah, um, and I love it. I love everything about the outdoors. Well, you've, you've done a really good job of, um, 
of transitioning out of out of your fight career and into other things. And man, every time, I mean, I've been following you on social media for a long time and I just tried to make a little list of the things that I know that you do, um, <laughs> which is incredible, man. I mean, you, you started the, um, I mean, I remember seeing like the fins and feathers pretty, pretty early on and you were, and that's a, that's a cool thing where you'll, take trips and, and fans or people can go with you and you take other fighters and I guess other sports stars at some times. Tell, tell me a little bit about that. Like what you've been able to do with that business. Yeah, that was, um, kind of an, uh, an idea that me and a good buddy of mine put together all back in like 2013. Um, and just kind of worked a bunch of stuff out and ended up launching it right there at the end of 2015, um, you know, the idea behind it was, you know, when I'm done fighting, I don't, I don't have retirement. It's not like the UFC just pays us when we're done. Mm-hmm. It's once you stop fighting, that's the money's done. So I'm like, how could we create something, uh, that has some type of association with the fight game and, you know, kind of the brand that I've built in that world, um, and the outdoors and something, do something that I love to do and make money off of it and, and be able to provide for my family. And so we put together fins and feathers. We basically put together a year long schedule of different hunting and fishing trips all over the world. Um, and then, yeah, we add, we book clients on all those and then we add different celebrities on there with them, you know, different UFC fighters, pro ball players, actors, uh, pro snowboarders, PBR guys. We have a whole list, of different, different athletes and, and, you know, people that you might see on TV or every once in a while, go meet them at a meet and greet for, you know, a handshake, a photo. And then that's pretty much it. So, you know, we've all been, you know, all of us here know what hunting camp and being out on the lake on a boat is like, it's mm-hmm. the camaraderie is unlike anything else. So it's like, you get to go hang out with these people that you watch, you know, fight in an octagon or whatever it may be. Um, and you get to really know them on a different level. You know, you get to share those stories at night around a campfire or, you know, whatever it may be where, you know, you don't ever get that stuff anywhere else. Like I said, a meet and greet, you take a picture, you say hi, and and then it's on your way. So it's, it's just a, a cool way for people to go out, meet these people, get to know them on more of a personal level and be able to go out and have a, a great hunting trip or a fishing trip, provide meat for them and their family and get to take that home as well. So it's just a, a cool, unique experience that nobody else in the space was really doing. Yeah. Um, and we, honestly, we had no idea how it was going to do, you know, people were either going to tell us to screw off or, <laughs> you know, it was going to be something that was cool. And it was kind of nerve wracking coming out of the fight game when I retired jumping into that. And I'm like, hey, this is either going to be cool or it's going to be the biggest flop ever. And I'm going to have to figure out another way to make money. And <laughs> thankfully that first year we sold out of every trip we offered, man, that's um, awesome. And then every year from 2015, we've added multiple trips each year and just keep growing it. And we're just selling stuff out, man. So it's, it's cool. It's I, I mean, and it wasn't without a lot of work. I, I used to see the post where you would be at one sports show and another sports show and another sports show, like every single sports show. I was, I was kind of, I was really looking at them closely because you were, I think you were going to the international sportsman's expositions mm-hmm. and I used to go to those and teach fly casting and we went to one i think maybe you went to the same one um it was in phoenix well there's no water in phoenix really um and they took they sent us there to do a, a fly casting it was the first year of the phoenix ise and 
there were literally no one there. Well, I would be doing the the uh, the the demonstration out on the pond, and I'd look around, and every single person was wearing a name tag, every single one. And I'm like, oh. you guys are all like exhibitors. Like every does anybody <laughs> just want to come out here and cast? You know. So, and it was the same thing. I'd go over and watch the bass guys do their do their demos, and late, you know, after about day two, I was like, hey how about you show me how to do that? And they were like, yeah. yeah, sure. Come on up. Nobody else is here. Like, so I got, you know, lots of, uh, of instruction on, on, you know, skipping under a dock and stuff, but I'm That's glad cool. to see the ISE still happening. That's it. A, is, those are man. good shows. I mean, that one yeah. in San Mateo, that, that show is incredible, man. San Mateo mm -hmm. and, uh, San Francisco, I think those were really well attended. Yeah. They're a lot of work, but it's, it is a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a set up, tear down and, I think what, four days straight of, you know, you're putting in an eight to 10 hour day, mm -hmm. each one of those days. So it's a ton of work. It's a grind for sure. But I, I love going to those, all the sports shows, right? You get to meet so many cool people. Everyone shares the same passion. You run into the occasional jerk every once in a while, you know, but most of the time everyone's super cool. Yeah. So how do you and Chad know each other? What is, what's the, con what's the connection here? So I I'm, I'm pretty sure the the connection was Traeger, right? Building is that how we originally got connected? Yeah, pretty much that in Mountain Ops, and then we hung out in Louisville for a convention. Yeah, so just you know, the outdoor industry is you know it's both of us sharing the same passions and working with a lot of the same companies and going to these different sports shows like we were just talking about. So, um, but yeah, it's been it's been awesome getting to work with Building and the guys. This guy's a uh, business mastermind. I mean, like, I think I'm pretty ADD with, with <laughs> businesses and that guy's just like a hundred times worse than me. So he's got his mind going a hundred miles an hour with different successful things all day long. So, so you, uh, it's pretty cool to be able to say I'm a business partner with this dude. Yeah. Well, when you have a good business partner, often they, they compliment the things that you're not good at and mm -hmm. you're good at the things that they're not good at. Does that work with, with this relationship? I think so. What do you think, Billy? Yeah, I think we have a good balance. I think that, um, you know, from your celebrity and Mendez's following and his humility to where he's so approachable being the celebrity and superstar from the UFC and the WEC that he is. And now he's transitioning into the the new fight league that he'll talk about here in a little bit. I'm sure that he made the announcement on, on the Rogan show. Mm -hmm. He, um, he's just, a, he's a great partner. He's, he gets eyeballs on it. You know, one of the main things in a partnership or sales is obviously to, to move the needle and Mendez moves the needle. He's got, um, he's just got a good insight on what it takes to, to develop a, what I like to call the culture of a business. And I think that people are attracted to that, to where when you get into the line of attaining partnerships or sponsorships, you know, it can get really boring. It can get really just nonstop Ricky Bobby. You know, if you don't chew big red, then whatever. And <laughs> Chad has a lot of partners, a lot of sponsors, and now he's taken on ownership in our brands of the American Almond Beef and the provider. And, and um, we're working with uh, uh, some of the same sponsors and you, you got to be really tactful in how you do that and diligent. And Chad does a good job of creating a culture that he gets people to to buy into not the product per se or the brand all the time, but his lifestyle. And they're going to, they're going to be, that's going to be contagious and that's going to let them be engaged and want to live through him vicariously and use the products that get him to this level of the lifestyle that he has. And then on our side, you know, we've, we've tried to do the same thing. We've tried to show through national TV and podcasting and, and our brands and manufacturing and live events, country music, NASCAR, military, 
you know, whatever. We've always tried to show how therapeutic hunting is and that how hunting is the common denominator that brought all of these walks of life together. So whoever knew that a, that a, a subpar base college baseball player that's a still a subpar duck hunter would run <laughs> in some business partners with a, you know, a badass, you, you know, UFC fighter that lit up Aldo and lit up McGregor and, you know, his fights were amazing. So you just never know. You got to go after it and you got to open doors and some of it's going to stick, some of it's not. And I think our friendship and partnership, we have a lot of mutual respect for each other. And um, I don't think we ever argue. We give, we get on each other once in a while, but I, I was talking to, uh, to TJ the other day on a podcast and I'll end it by this, but Dillashaw, and I, we were in the, in, in the podcast and towards the end, his wife walks in and we were just in the midst of talking about how do we become more like Chad Mendez and his <laughs> wife, I swear on my life, his, his wife literally stops the podcast and goes, TJ, will you please become more like Chad Mendez? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was just, it, it, it's how it is. It's, it's that, it's that Mendez Guida magic of making everybody that they talk to feel like the only person in the room. And they're, they are celebrities. When Chad goes out in public, he's bombarded for photographs and, and, and selfies and autographs. And uh, the, the two best I've ever seen at it in my whole life. And I've been around a lot of them are Chad money Mendez and Dan Hendo Henderson. They just, mm. they answer every call. They, they talk to every fan and their humility is unbelievable. So yeah, the partnership works because of stuff like that, in my opinion. Right. Thanks, That's- yeah. But, <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I want to be more like Chad Mendez in the fact that I don't know how you've, you, you continue to spread yourself so thin. I mean, this little list that I came up with, uh, and these are only the things that I can come up with that I think that you do. You got the, you got the, um, you got the fins and feathers, which, which then kind of went out to gills and fit gills and thrills with, with clay. And I think you have a piece of that. I don't know if you do or not, but mm-hmm. some, you know, something about yep. that, but then you got the spices and the rubs, you got the American almond beef, you've got the peak products, the, 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 the meals. Now you've written this cookbook with Chad. I mean, there's probably more, but dude, that's like, that's like five, six businesses. So yeah. I thought it was interesting. I did listen to you on Rogan and um, I thought it was interesting that you, that you said that, um, you know, you had wrestled since you were five and, and you had this, I mean, that's basically what you did. And then you went straight out, straight into college, you wrestled, then you went straight into um, mixed martial arts and you're training with, with a team alpha male. I mean, that's a pretty intense life right there. And then all of a sudden that kind of ends Mm -hmm. and, and then you, you obviously have to find something right? Like you, you have to find something because you've got this tremendous amount of energy that you need to pour into something. And then you found it to, to be able to do it in the outdoors. So the question I had for you was like, what, what drove you when you were, when you were an amateur working your way up to the, the UFC and through your whole fight career and combat sports career, like what, what was your driving force there? Man, I never even went amateur. I went straight out of college right in the pro. <laughs> well, in your wrestling, though. I mean, you were an oh, NCAA gotcha. yeah. runner-up. I mean, that's pretty damn high level. Man, I mean, honestly, like, starting out wrestling when I was younger, that was my dad getting me into it. I was five years old, you know, and I rem- I still remember driving to my very first wrestling practice. And uh, back then, I just thought wrestling was what you saw on TV with mm-hmm. the turnbuckle in the ring. And I remember sitting in our, we had a big red suburban and driving over there and, you know, just being so excited to get up on the top turnbuckle and do jumps and flips. <laughs> and 
And I remember sprinting. We parked. I sprint, sprinted from the parking lot all the way to the, the gym door. And I remember opening it and just this smell of just, you know, stinky old gym <laughs> comes out. And I look in and I'm like looking around. It's just like these weird foam mats with, you know, big circles on them. And I'm like looking around like, what the heck is this? There was no turnbuckle, no, you know, no <laughs> ring at all. And uh, that that's just a, a, a memory that never left my head. I was so kind of disappointed, but yeah. I ended up figuring out what wrestling was eventually and loved it. But um, yeah, we just never took a year off all the way up through all the way up through college. I mean, I think I think wrestling as a kid was probably something more that I did because my dad wanted me to, I'm mm-hmm. guessing. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I enjoyed enjoyed it, but I didn't know any different at that time. Yeah. Well, very few five-year-olds decide that yeah, they want exactly. to wrestle. I mean, they like looking in the in the padded room and thinking that looks pretty cool. But then when you uh-huh. actually when wrestling practice actually starts, it pretty yeah. much sucks, right? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's the hardest yeah. thing you've ever done. And uh, you know, if your dad's not there, kind of saying, "No, this is good for you. Uh, trust me, this mm-hmm. is going to be good for you." And look, I think you're yeah. going to be pretty good at it. I don't know. Yep. I mean, it's a I've culture. A few other sports uh, mixed in there, like. You know, I did water polo for like four years and I would do that basically right before wrestling season started mm-hmm. just to get in shape. Um, and man, I gotta tell you, I'd sink my, like I do not float. So <laughs> water polo was extremely tough for me and I would get in such great shape before wrestling season. And then would just jump right into it, you know, through basically seventh, eighth, ninth and 10th grade is when I did it. Um, and then getting to high school, what motivated me was getting scholarship to college mm. You know, so I did everything I felt like I needed to do to be as successful as I could in high school to get recruited. I got recruited, went to Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo, and then basically through college, I think it was my sophomore year um, when I finally went and did like a wrestling camp with with Faber. I was a, a um, um, like a teacher and he was a teacher and he was training for a fight and he kept hurting all the other wrestlers. You know, he's doing jits and nobody else is doing that. And so he's like, I got to leave or I get, you know, I need to train. So I just jumped in there with him, not knowing anything. We rolled for like an hour and he's like, dude, you're going to be good at this. If you <laughs> like finish your, your college career and then you can come up to Sacramento and, and move in with you know, my spare bedroom and just train with us. So that's basically my sophomore year is when I made my mind up. I'm going to go fight for a little bit after college, um, mainly because, you know, I'm still going to be very young. I didn't really want to go get a office job or go get a job right away. Mm-hmm. Especially if I could jump into something that's going to make good money. Um, but the, the thing I told myself was, look, I'll try this for a little bit. If I suck at it, I'll go get a real job. <laughs> if I'm good at it, screw it. I'll just do it for a while. Um, and ended up being good at it and, you know, ended up fighting through up through the UFC rank. So um, yeah, man, it was, it was crazy. A lot of different steps in my life to get me where I'm at now, but I wouldn't change any of it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Um, I don't know why wrestlers tend to like fishing and hunting so much, but some of my best customers, some of my best friends, if they're good at it, I kind of ask them like, you know, maybe I'm just getting to know him like a guy that I fish with for a week or something. And at the end of the week, you're like, this guy's like way better than most people. How long have you been doing this? Oh, only like three years. I've just kind of got into it. Oh, really? And you ask him a couple of questions like, what'd you do in high school? Oh, I wrestled, you know, and it's like, hmm, there's like something to that because it is such a commonality between yeah. people that have some sort of wrestling in their background and then they go absolutely crazy for hunting and fishing. I don't know what it is, but I think mm-hmm. it's, a, I always thought it was kind of the mental chess game of fishing and hunting and you know 
wrestling is a is a chess game too right like definitely could be for me it was always like my disconnect like especially in the fight game all the media and weight cutting and just the grind of training every day was like my way and i know that's clay's too because we've talked about this where he'll even go through training camps and he'll go for like two days three days and just go somewhere and fish Hmm. and basically just run so it's like his recovery and then he'll come back and get back into training and um i've never done that this is this training camp that i'm doing is going to be the first time do all my ufc fights anything that i've ever done this i'm going to go take a two-day hunt trip here and there i'm headed to wyoming at the end of this month really go do an archery antelope hunt but i'm just going to use those days as my way to disconnect maybe recharge the brain the mental state let my body heal up for a couple of days and then get back in it. So we'll see. It's either, either going to work or it's not, but man, this uh, thing you got going on right now is pretty exciting. I mean, I, I knew something was happening because on your Instagram, you're training and your boxing is looking <laughs> really good. And I was like, he's something's happening here. Something. Yeah, I don't Belding, know. Belding has been over here training me. I've he has been. been? You wouldn't want that. <laughs> we got a bare knuckle fight i'm going bare knuckle boxing which i'm pretty excited about i know it sounds pretty brutal but basically it's a boxing match with mm-hmm. without your mma gloves on you know I mean, yeah mma gloves you got about quarter of an inch half inch of padding so it's not going to be a whole lot different than what i'm used to but now i don't have to worry about head kicks or kicks at all wrestling jits you know it's well just, they they seem to be paying out um pretty nicely yeah. from the other yeah. people that are going over and doing that. Um, For sure. And that's another thing. It's definitely way more motivating every day. Something I'm now excited about to have the end goal worth what I'm doing, you know? So yeah, for sure. So when you, when you transitioned out of MMA for the, the first time, you're kind of coming back into, into fight again, but um, the, the, I ask you what drove you in your amateur and, and pre UFC days, because I wanted to know what drove you to create all of these businesses and what drives you on a daily basis, because you don't just really create businesses like that and then just let them sit. You, I mean, that's a daily it's, it's work, right? And one business yeah. is, I mean, two businesses is not necessarily twice as much as one business. It's exponentially more than one business. Mm-hmm. And then you start stacking them on top. Like you have been, what, you you obviously have some sort of drive in there to, to continue to do this. Well, I'll be honest. I can't take credit. I mean, Belding is the mastermind behind the rubs, the cookbook and, and even the American almond beef for me, um, you know, teaming up with him and kind of just hearing his passion for all of this. That's where all that came from. Mm-hmm. And then I'm basically after listening to his passion and him talking about, you know, where he thinks these can go, I want it on board. So we ended up teaming up, but he's the mastermind with that stuff. Well, where does uh, that come from for you, Chad? What, what, uh, what was the first company that you, that you started? Um, first company ever was a portable toilet rest, uh, restroom solutions, Sierra restroom solutions, which we included stormwater pollution and erosion control and uh, street sweeping and took care of the whole Tahoe basin. And at that time, construction was so unbelievable and special events, you know, everything mm-hmm. was going strong. And then the recession hit in the end of 07, 08, and it kind of put construction and road work and everything on the back burner. So at the time I was um, asked to film a TV show about my personality. You know, I was out with a film crew filming with another documentary series for Ducks Unlimited and the production company asked me and 
I was all on board because I could have the fall and winter to kind of go hunt when, because the toilet businesses weren't nearly as, as busy. And, um, it turned into one thing led to the next and the owner of the production company in Oklahoma, his mom got ill and had to go to the Mayo clinic. And I asked him if I could do it on my own. And it, that turned into a starting a company in 2008 called banded productions. And but banded was a word I never thought I could get trademarked because it's so synonymous with duck and goose hunting. Mm-hmm. And when, when I, my intellectual property attorney, Brian Hardy came back and said, we got it. I was like, Holy smokes. And that turned into banded productions. We went to air, with the foul life season one in the fall of 2009. And um, it was unbelievable how it happened because through competition calling duck and goose calling and trying to keep my competitive edge, somehow I was able to meet so many different people in walks of life that were in this industry. And when I went to start the foul life with my brothers, it was, we went to Toyota and we went to sportsman's warehouse and we went to Avery and we went to zinc and all of them were on board with the project. So um, we went to air in 09. And as soon as we went to air, we got inundated with emails and direct messages. What, what call are you blowing? What, what boat are you driving? What UTV are you in? What gun are you shooting? And I was like, man, the money's really not in TV per se. You can use that as a marketing platform and to drive brands and messaging and marketing and all that. But the money was going to be in manufacturing. So I, uh, um, you know, this plays su- such into our relationship now with Mendez is that at that time in my career, it was, it was tap out and their show on spike with mask and skyscraper mm-hmm. and punk ass. Yeah. And then it was affliction. And then it was UFC. Like it wasn't UFC today. It was like one pay-per-view a month. So to mm-hmm. watch UFC, you had to, you know, be in there with some of the amateur fighters with tap out or some of the fighters that were signed by affliction. And then all of a sudden, you know, the ultimate fighter hit. So you were able to walk into Dana's world and see guys like Ryan Bader or, you know, all the guys that were on that show that it wanted or not. But mm-hmm. um, so I was like, I was a huge UFC fan. I was a redneck or a country boy at heart. So I wanted to develop a clothing line that would be UFC affliction tap out in your face meets going into Cabela's and seeing some shirt that only my grandpa would wear that said something like, can't tell you Canyon with a big mule deer with droppers, which are awesome clothing, but it wasn't my style. So we, we came out with a shirt being a huge Guns N' Roses fan. They have a song on Use Your Illusion 1 called Double Talk and Jive and Geese Double Cluck. So I, I had my designers do a shirt called Double Cluck and Jive. And it was a Canada goose looking at another Canada goose, just like they were getting in a gang fight. Ward on the show and bam, orders started coming in. And I was like, we got to do another one. So we came up with one called Red Dawn of these mallard ducks flying over a sun. And people were just like, we love this full frontal, more aggressive approach. And then we got a call from the national hunting buyer, John O'Rourke at Cabela's. And he said, we want the shirts in the stores. And I said, I'm starting my own duck call company. So we started banded calls. First PO from Cabela's. This was before Johnny Morris and the Bass Pro transition and acquisition. The first PO is 2,500 duck calls. Wow. And anybody that knows anything about duck calls, you got to have material. You got to have machinists. You got to have CNCs. You got to have polishers. And I was like, holy you know what we were using three different machinists from three different parts of the country. Um, and we were delivering these calls <clears throat> like crazy to direct consumers plus retail. Then Max Prairie wings jumped on long story short. I know I'm long winded. That turns into January of 2011. I'm doing an appearance at shot show in Vegas. And my buddy Christian Curtis runs up to me and says, we need to talk. So mm-hmm. I get done with that appearance at a shotgun company. And, uh, he says, I just got out of a meeting with Cabela's and John O'Rourke said, Belding's on to something. 
with this name banded, but it's bigger than a duck call or a t-shirt. And that's when we went seeking capital. And now if you look at bandedbrands.com, we have over 4,000 SKUs, men's, women, kids apparel. Um, we offer everything from waders, the bibs, the jackets, to thermals, to base layers, mid layers, top layers, and all the bags, gun cases. And then in 2015, it all came full circle. And we acquired the company I cut my teeth with, Avery Outdoors and Avery Sporting Dog and Greenhead Gear. We bought those companies in August of 15 and put them under the banded brands umbrella. And then that just started like driving all of these ideas of like, well, what else can we get into? Because we have the marketing platform. We have the team, we have the sales reps, we have the public relationships, we have the, or the public relations, we have the marketing arms to do all this. So let's just keep driving brands. And that's where the provider and American almond beef and jargon and, and all of these different things that you see us involved in. Um, it just came off of that whole, that, that hunting buyer Cabela's and that whole ideology of like, I really wanted to have a tap out style brand. And that's what's transitioned into what bandit is today. So that's kind of my story in a nutshell. Man, what a now, story. Now you see why <laughs> I was saying he's a, a mastermind with business. I see <laughs> guy, that now. I the see guy that. is nonstop business up here. And it's like, like there's not very many people on earth that have that mindset like Chad does. And like just talking to him for the, the first time about any type of business working together, I'm like, let's just do it. Yeah, I don't even need to hear anymore, bro. Let's just do it. Right. <laughs> so no, it's my my handful of things doesn't seem like so much now after hanging out with that guy. Right. Right. It's I crazy. mean, he's got, but, how do you balance it, Chad Belding? I, uh, first of all, I mean, we have an unbelievable team, but like Mendez will tell you, um, it's, it's, it's nonstop. It's you get those comments all the time. When do you sleep? Do you sleep? How, how many miles did you log on a plane last year and how much windshield time in a truck? And here's the deal. If you're going to do it, you got to do it. My, my daughter comes first. I messed up my marriage. I'm very transparent about it. I, I was, I was an idiot, but there, life is all about maturity and, and learning and, and not, and picking yourself up when you fall down. And uh, thank God I had the support system from family and friends to support me through that type, type of an incident or experience. And, but I was on the road and I was building a brand with this team of if there was a show at a Cabela's or there was a show at Max Bray Wings or NWTF in, in uh, Nashville or like ISE in Sacramento or San Mateo or Salt Lake City or Boise, I was going to every calling contest, every parking lot show, every dealer show, every buying group show, ISE, Worldwide, Sports Inc., we were all over the place. I was from Fort Worth to Fort Lauderdale to Nashville to New York. And I, and the whole time my focus was nobody was bigger than this brand banded was going to turn into something that was going to be the Nike of duck and goose hunters. I wanted people to see that banded B and look at that icon and be like, I'm banded. I'm a band of brothers. I'm part of this banded nation. Our whole thing was banded nation. And you could have an urban attitude and an outdoor lifestyle. Or you could be born in Manhattan and want to be in the woods. We wanted to relate to everybody and let all of our viewers or potential end consumers live through us vicariously. So to balance it, I said, you know what? I'm going to compartmentalize every day to where if I know that if I know that I have this coming up, like this podcast per se, that's going to be scheduled out. And around that 10 hour, 12 hour day is going to be an hour and a half dedicated to social media, an hour dedicated to, to provider sales calls or maintenance calls to dealers 
or figuring out with our bottling company, when are our jars going to be in? When are the lids going to be in? When are our new labels going to be printed? When are we going to get into marinades and barbecue sauces and whatever that might be? If it's the Foul Life TV show and I need to do sponsor maintenance, I'm going to dedicate two or three hours to that. If it's hunt schedule, because now when I hit the road in October, I'm going to be in 17 different states filming hunts in 95 to 120 days. So looking at it, it looks like, man, there's no way you can do it. But with our team of producers and animators and photographers and videographers and Jennifer Swenson. And, and I mean, I can name them. My business manager, Sherry Carey is a genius and she keeps, keeps me on my toes with taxes and write-offs and receipts and how to spend money and budgets because I'm, I'm a cluster. You know what, man, I will, I'll just be like, Oh, that kid for 70 grand, get it. And she'd be like, I'm going to kill you. So to balance it, I had to start, not micromanaging. I had to let people do what they were good at. Mm -hmm. And knowing like Mendez isn't my employee. Mendez is one of my best friends and he's a business partner, but I know I never have to worry about him because he's, he's always working. He's always thinking about the end game, Clay or Tom or Tyson or Jake or Jen. I don't have to be over their shoulder at all time. I think you lose your creativity and you lose your place in the structure. You got to know where your ass needs to be and what seat on that bus. And I, I value that in myself that I'd never micromanage anybody. If I think that something's not getting done the right way, I'll, I'm not afraid to put some input in it, but I think that not micromanaging complete transparency and communication structure organization. Those are the keys to success. And you just got to keep driving it because being having the entrepreneurial spirit and being able to wake up in the morning, knowing that you don't get to eat if you don't make your own money. I don't get the clock in or clock out. I don't have an IRA or retirement like Mendez said. It's on us. We chose this lifestyle. And I, I literally, and I mean this with every ounce of my soul, I have not worked one day since January of 2004. Literally have not worked. It's been a freaking roller coaster ride of emotions and excitement and fun and friendships and camaraderie and campfires and cold drinks and mallard ducks and wet dogs and UFC fights and concerts and military and the people that I've got to meet. They just drive me, man. So I just have a burning desire to succeed and I want to do it right. And I want to build brands that are, that are just, that are, that somebody like Chad Mendez would stand by. And when you taste these rubs, you can tell that we didn't just go and mix something up. These are legit, legit rubs. When you taste our beef, what Brandon and Tim and Rock Merlot have done, it's it's an experience like no, not that you've never had in beef. And I really mean that. I've had Wagyu, I've had everything, and it's just it's just good. So I want to I want to I want to be contagious through passion, and I want to be able to create a snowball momentum effect with people around me, get all these people to believe and take ownership in these brands and drive them to where they become legendary. They become epic. They become, you know, like what Phil Knight did with Nike and what, what the guys did with Under Armour and what continues to be done in American free enterprise entrepreneurial spirit every day. And I mean, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Dang. What a story. Well said. Holy cow. <laughs> that's awesome, man. I know, I know banded and, um, that's, uh, that's, that's awesome, man. That's, that's a great story. I didn't know the story behind it, but I do know the story behind some other, some other brands that are, that are becoming kind of iconic, like a Yeti or something like that. And we, you know, we hooked up with Yeti in the very, very early stages and, and Ryan, he was at every sports show, just exactly what you're talking about, man. There was not a time when he didn't, he wasn't there like every single thing, same thing for power pole, same thing for a lot of these companies that, that have built up and they seem like an overnight success, 20 years in the making, you know, but that's, that's what they were like all of a sudden they're like, everybody hears about it all at once, but shit, man, the, you got you a good idea. If you think about roto molding, 
and how long it's been in whitewater canoeing or whatever, you know, and then it's taken. And, and I, and I don't know this for a fact, but I don't think Yeti was the first company to try it in a cooler style, but they mastered it. And yeah. they came to the market with a, not just a product, but a story and a culture. And when you watch their commercials or listen to them at the shot show or saw their people walking around with their shirts and their apparel and just their mannerisms, just their, their, the way that they presented themselves, the way they looked you in the eyes when they shook your hand, you're like, holy smokes, dude, these dudes don't play. And and, su- and sure enough, everybody wanted to be part of that family. Mm-hmm. And they still do. Now, look, there's a lot of good cooler companies out there. Sure. But you got even those cooler companies <clears throat> and the CEOs or the CMOs or whoever's running their organization or their board of directors, that they'd be crazy not to admit we, we're driven by Yeti because you're not going to better the, that that product. You can't right. better it. I mean, Yeti's already mastered the tumbler cup and the cooler, the cooler on wheels. The, and they're just so innovative in their approach. And the other thing is, is that it ain't cheap. You got you to gotta make a pretty good amount of, of coin to afford a Yeti. And it, it's like that mentality, like a Benelli shotgun. I'm saving up. I'm getting me a Benelli. I'm getting me a, this mm-hmm. cooler for the back of my mm-hmm. truck because one, it's a status symbol. Two, it works. And three, I want to be part of that culture. Right. It happens every day when the when the brand is driven the right way, in my right. opinion. Like if you have a brand like 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 your brand or Yeti or any other brand, you could have it, you could you can have a competitor make a better product and charge half the price and people still don't want it because yeah. they've yeah. built this culture. And that's what you guys are, that's what you guys are on your way to doing and, and have done it certainly with Bandit and on your way to doing it with these other, these other products. And, and it's, it's pretty cool to watch, but I don't know. I had some great idea the other day and I shared it with somebody. It was kind of like, um, you know, just, you're, you're just kind of talking, you see something and I always kind of do this. I'm like, Oh, you know what they should do? They should, they should do it like this. And it would be great. And the person looked at me and was like, that's an amazing idea. You could sell tons of that. And I'm like, yeah, if I went to a sports show every weekend for the next fifteen years, I could probably make that into a pretty good success story. Like, and I tell that to my, I tell that to my kids too. It's like it's not enough to have an idea. It's not enough to have a better idea. It's not enough to see a product and better it. You have to devote yourself to that, and you have to build a culture around it. You have to be the guy, just like Chad was talking about, like going to every parking lot show, like. A lot of people would think, well, that's not worth my time, but not when you're building a brand, man. Like it's, yeah, that's one thing I think we've started doing. And I, I started doing here locally in Northern California was, and it, it, it really snowballed, I think with, with social media, but like our provider rubs going to, I started going to different ACE hardwares, just walking in there and just basically door to door salesman type pitching these rubs. Like, Hey, these are what we've come up with phenomenal if you guys want to taste any of these and going in there personally and like pitching them and getting these these companies to bite now you know now they're selling our our products that's genius taking pictures and and showing the fans and everybody that follows me like look i'm out there putting the groundwork in i'm personally getting in there and grinding and going to all these different locations and doing this myself it's not like you just said, Oh, I don't, it's not worth my time. Or, you know, I just hired people to go do it. Like I want to put boots to the ground. I want to get in there and put the work in and building has been doing the same thing. And I think that's, what's contagious. People see that like, Holy crap. Like they're actually in there doing that themselves. And so what that's done is, you know, you got five or six companies that see it 
on social media. And then they start reaching out like, Hey, I saw you selling your rubs here. I want you to come to our store and we're going to buy them too. And mm-hmm. it just kind of keeps growing from there. And now we got some really big retail deals in the works right now from doing all that stuff and putting the, the grind work in. And, you know, it's, this is all just the beginning, but um, I think it definitely makes a big difference for people to see. And for me personally, I mean, if I see someone that is out there grinding, it's going to make me lean towards probably wanting to buy that over, you know, someone that's not. So yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah, I think that's the other part of it, Mendez, that goes along with what we touched on a little bit ago is like with your, your humility and your personality to be able to do what you just, you know, talked about. We we've never, you know, in business, you have to be able to figure out influence and inspiration, right? It's, it's so hard to say like, well, we came up with that idea, you know, even the, even the owners like Ryan of Yeti and those guys will say, they had inspiration somewhere. They were somewhere on a fishing trip mm-hmm. with a canoe or with some kind of apparatus in the water that gave them that idea. And I think that a big part of success comes from who are the trailblazers, who are the influences, the inspirations, the people that really motivate you. And someday maybe we will become that, but that's never the goal. The goal is to always pay homage first to military and first responders. But then I love to say, that Chad Ward and Matt Pittman and Tuffy and all of these guys that we've ran into through Traeger and Tyler Spark and Jeremy Andrus and then the Jack Daniels team in Lynchburg and the and the Houston Rodeo and Memphis in May and the Kansas City Royal. You walk through there and these are like celebrity chefs and and and, and pitmasters and they took us under their wing. They're I like I will text Chad Ward and be like, "Yo, dude, I got a 21 pound brisket and I don't want it to taste like the one I did last week." Any hints? <laughs> yeah. And he'll text, he'll text me right back, and that's just so cool to be to know that that we can that we did not copy anybody with these rubs but for sure we didn't invent the dry rub we just had a different flavor profile we wanted to go after and we wanted to go after it in a way of living off the land food to fork my dad always taught me before he passed away you were put on earth to work you're going to have family and you're going to have friends but none of that's going to amount to anything if you can't work and, and provide for them so when i came up with that name provider my whole mentality was I don't care if you grow a garden or grow a pig or kill a deer or catch a fish or just know where your food comes from. And you're working blue chipping it across America to put food on the table for your friends and family. That's what being a provider is all about. And we all have the ability to be a provider. It's just how do we do it? Do you want to be outside the box and unorthodox? Do you want to follow suit? Or do you want to be a me too? It doesn't matter as long as you do it with passion, dignity, and respect and honesty, obviously. But the provider is something that was not like, oh, we're just going to jump into the rub game. This was 10 and a half months of a shipment would come in. We taste it. We'd cook with it. Nope, it's missing this. Nope, it's missing that. Like this one right here, it's called Spawn. If you open this and smell it, it smells like a freaking sushi bar. (laughs) And you put this on redfish or salmon, or I just, I used it today on Yellowtail Mendez. Blue, yeah, yeah. blue everybody's mind. And so this is like a sushi bar in a dry rub jar. <laughs> so I, I I wanted to make sure that we understood that we pay homage to all of these inspirers and, and influencers that helped us at least have the guts to say, you know what, we're going to do it. And if we fail tomorrow, so be it. But what, yeah. you know, according to what it looks like right now, the provider is going to be in every store in America here in the next few years, I think the way it's going. And I mean, you talk about like, having to pinch yourself. It's unreal. When you talk about these ACE hardwares that Chad's got them in, when he sends these videos, I'm like, oh my gosh, we're literally right beside Meat Church and mm-hmm. Whiskey Bent Barbecue. This yeah, is amazing. So cool. 
Right on, man. It's so cool. The Ace Hardware is a good idea because a lot of those are still kind of independently owned or yeah, like, yeah. I don't know, around where I am, you'll have like one person will own like 10 of them and, yeah. uh, and they could make the decision. I mean, that one person right there could stick his finger in there and go, oh, that tastes good. I'll put them in all 10 stores. Like you, yep. that's, that's a lot different than, than a Bass Pro Shops or a Cabela's or a Walmart or, or something like that, which obviously requires a lot a different approach, I, I guess. It's nice to work with like somebody that can make the decision, whether that's sponsorship or whether it's um, mm -hmm. whatever. Like if you're talking to somebody and you know that they're the decision maker, you're good. But if you're talking to somebody and they got to go and talk to the board, mm -hmm. that's a whole different deal. Oh yeah. We ran into a bunch of that too, but I think everything is pretty much moving in the right direction. So fingers yeah. crossed. So it's it's one thing to go from like the clothing company and into spices and then into into the you know, you have the events and all that, but when you start operating with with land and live animals, that seems like well, it seems like a natural jump because you're 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 into the food, but man, that seems like a a much different business, is it? Like when you're talking about the beef company and, and dealing with, with animals and then dealing with, with trying to finish these animals with almonds and why almonds? Like that's, that's interesting. When I read that, like I'm always trying to find grass fed, grass finished. Um, but I don't know about the almonds. Like what is it with almonds? It's uh, yeah, I think that, you know, growing up and watching the Lone Ranger or John Wayne, you want to be a cowboy once in a while. So of course every time you I go to the market, <laughs> time i'd go to this part of the country i'd watch these guys on their horses with their ropes and lassos and and their steers and i'd be like this is unbelievable this is happening every day in america when we're growing we're waking up and going to team alpha male to box or i'm going to do this podcast or whatever it is we just take for granted where our food comes from and so i really started to do a deep dive with a guy a good friend of mine that chad's good friends with now rock merlo in in durham california and he told me about his Italian family and how when he was younger, they would feed some of their cows and steer the almond byproduct because they've always been into the orchards with walnuts and almonds. They call them almonds. I call them almonds. I don't know what's right. But if you call them almonds up there, they make fun of you. So almonds. almonds. Yeah. And uh, and they uh, he said it was awesome. So his his best friend in elementary school's name is Brandon Byrne. He owns Byrne Farms. Him and his good friend Tim, they start a commodity company to where they go to all these different farms and ranches and buy the byproduct to turn it into horse feed, <laughs> wildlife feed. And then they started feeding it to these steers. They would always feed it to their dairy cows and other cows, and they would get a good turn. The cows were healthy. But then all of a sudden, because of Rocky's story of the Italians eating some of this beef and it tasting different, the last 120 days of these steers' life after they've grass-fed the first, you know, the first 900 pounds. So from about 900 to 1,300 pounds, every single day, every square meal they eat is this almond, this mm. almond blend. It's a proprietary blend of food with two different forms of almond flex and almond seed in it and almond meal. Then it's got it's got different forms of alfalfa in it and a couple other ones. And what they started to see is that the marbling, the texture, and the taste were just there. Plus the personality and the cows, their well-being, which is a big part of your question because we want to educate the end consumer that this is a happy life for a cow. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they are living it up. They're taking care of its ethical treatment. The feedlot is, is absolutely immaculate. And when I saw the story and I saw the operation and they gave us an opportunity to jump in on it to take it to the national level, I said, well, we got to taste it. And so we cooked it with no salt no pepper, no dry rub, no marinade, nothing. We cooked the New York, a filet, a ribeye, 
and the hamburger, which we're going to become known as the, uh, Amer- the, the world famous almond burger, because it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And when I ate it, I was like, dude, you cannot get better meat than this. It was so tasty. Not in the, the marbling was there. The fat wasn't too high, you know, high content. And it was, it was just a great experience. So th- again, going back to our previous conversation to have the mentality of like, heck yeah, let's take it national. Well, well you're going to compete with every, you know, farm to fork company out there. You're going to compete with all the Wagyu that's becoming huge, Kobe beef coming huge, all the supermarkets out there, all of this different beef, all of the different choices. And you're like, let's go. And when you say let's go, you can't look back because you can't just spend all this money on a website and a marketing firm and the the, the processing houses and the butcher houses and all that. And then be like, no. So I'll end <laughs> it by saying this. After I watched what this guy, Money Mendez, was doing with these brands like Peak Refuel and all of these dehydrated meal, meals and stuff for the mountain hunter or hiker or whatever, I was like, dude, this guy has an unbelievable knack for telling a story and taking a product to market. So I was like, Brandon, Tim Rock, we're good at what we do. We got a hell of a web. Chad will tell you all this. We got a great website. We have unbelievable print ad campaigns and digital ad campaigns that meets all over national television. But to have Chad be able to come in there and go, when I train, I eat this. And when I eat this, I get these results. And then having him get it to people like TJ or Pettis or these other fighters, Hendo's going to start serving it in his new restaurant that opens in December of this year in Temecula, California. So I'm like, we got to get Chad Mendez involved in this business. And since then, the rest is history. The brand's out there. It's growing incrementally. We are literally out of every cut of meat right now yeah. pretty much because of his Joe Rogan appearance. And yeah. I, I get I get goosebumps, no pun intended, thinking about how good that meat is and how many people are going to get to enjoy it. That's awesome. Yeah, man. It was so cool getting to go on Rogan's and talk about this beef company. And for me, being brought into this, this company, I mean, it's such an honor. I mean, for me, like you hear Belding's passion for it. Listening to that, I'm like, okay, I need to taste this beef. Obviously, trying the beef, it is different. It is hands down different. And I was like, I have to be a part of this. Like I need to be able to spread this to people because my thing is I get hit up all the time. Hey, I've never hunted. I see all your elk and your deer. And you know, how, how do I buy that from you? Can I buy some off you? And it's not legal, obviously to sell wild game. Mm -hmm. Plus I wouldn't be selling, like I'm going out there to put the work in, to be able to feed my friends and family. I'm not going to just give it to a bunch of people, you know? And so I'm like, hearing this story about the beef, the, the well-being of the, of the steers, you know, how clean everything is the way that it tastes and the healthy aspect of it, you knowing these things are eating a very high protein, high octane type meal and feed, uh, the last bit of their life, you know, no hormones, no antibiotics, no soy, no corn, like outside of wild game, going into a beef, the beef world, this is probably the closest that you're going to get. You know, we sometimes hunt wild pigs that come down and eat almonds from orchards and they're phenomenal. The the meat is amazing. And that was another thing that I started relating to when I started hearing about what they were doing with this beef company. And I'm like, well, I know that it definitely changes the flavor. So I'm very curious on what it's going to do with the beef. And like Chad says, it's tender. It has a great marbling. That's not over the top with some of the Wagyu when it's like eat three bites. It tastes amazing, but you're like, your gut is just like, all right, I don't like enough. that. No I don't like, you know? I don't so, like Wagyu beef at all. Yeah, And it, like I said, it's the, the flavor is amazing. We all, you know, it's good, but I just can't eat very much of it. I think most people can. And this is a, a beef 
a protein that you can eat more of. It's tender. It tastes amazing. Um, it's got the right amount of marbling and it's different. You know, it's, it's healthy, you know, it's something that people can be confident knowing that if they order off our website, these steers were raised humanely. They know, like I said, no soy, no corn, and it's going to be an amazing meal for me and my family. So, um, I, I was like, dude, I gotta be a part of this. Like I, I need to help grow this brand. I want on board and, uh, we, we jumped in, they let me in. So, um, That's yeah, man, awesome. it's, been, it's been really cool to be a part of. And, um, I, we're definitely gonna have to get you some of our beef so you can try it. Oh, I'd love let to you- try it. I mean, I love wild game and I love a steak. I mean, the steak's my favorite food, mm-hmm. uh, even probably more than ice cream. And that's pretty high up there, but I I might even like steak better. Um, well, I got to ask you this because I've had maybe, maybe a dozen people that, that I know pretty well and some that have been on the podcast experience Joe Rogan. And like, that is legitimately the largest platform on the planet right now. What, what, I mean, and, and you're, you're experiencing it through all these businesses and all this other stuff. And you guys are obviously friends. You got a really good connection there. You have a very good conversation, but what, I mean, what is it like from one day to another when you go on the biggest platform on the planet? That's literally what it is. I mean, people could argue it, but that's the mm-hmm. biggest show on the planet, whether that's a television show or a, a podcast or whatever. He is the biggest out there right now. What, what, I mean, and I know you're, you're friends with him, so it wasn't like intimidating to be in there with him, but I'm just wondering from like two days before the podcast to two days after the podcast, like what kind of storm does that create? Oh man. I mean, honestly, I think we kept it quiet before. Nobody even knew that we were going on the podcast outside of just my friends and family, uh, mainly because we were using it for a big platform to announce my signing coming out of retirement for the bare knuckle boxing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we didn't really want people to know, uh, the day before I, th- I think maybe I started, I leaked a little bit of it. You posted then, something. You were like, I'm going yeah, to, exactly. I think it was basically me and him yeah. right after filming it. Um, I believe so. Um, but man, afterwards, I'd say it was the day he posted it for about, I don't even know, two weeks, a week and a half, two weeks. Like all of the businesses we talked about on there were going nuts, man. It was so crazy. Like our fins and feathers email is still just blowing up nonstop with people wanting to book for next year already. So um, we sold out, we sold out four of our tuna trips this year. Um, every year up until this year, we've only done one tuna trip this year. We sold out three. We've already sold out next year's another four boats. Um <laughs> which we, we actually just locked in a fifth boat and have about half of it sold before we even announce it. So it's like the business side of it just blew up. You know, I, we didn't get to talk about the rubs much on there. Um, we just had so much other things. People will find them. Though. About, but I mean, that's yeah, the thing is like people will be interested in what you have to say and, and hear yeah. something about the beef and then they'll, they'll look into your social media. They'll find that stuff. It, mm-hmm. it, it will have a, it may be a delayed response, but there, there will be a response. Yeah. It was so cool, man. It was an honor getting to sit down there. Me and Joe have talked about planning it and doing it for the last, I don't even know how many years, three, four years. Well, you're you're natural to be out. on there, like with, with your hunting and, and, and how, how much he's gotten to enjoy hunting over the, the last few years. I mean, it seems like that was a, a, a natural conversation that was long yeah, overdue. 
we have a lot in common and it was, it was definitely nice talking some hunting stories, even off the, the podcast, going through his studio and just seeing all of the, you know, the, the, the nice bulls that he had Euro that he's killed over the last few years and just hearing the stories and stuff. Uh, it was cool, man. I, I love it. Joe's a phenomenal guy. I mean, like I said, we have a ton in common and it was just, it was awesome to finally get in there and sit down and have a, a long chat with the dude. So yeah, that's cool. Now one more, one more kind of question. Like there is a, there is kind of a fork to, or, or a field to, to table kind of movement happening right now, uh, where more and more people are getting into, into, um, hunting so that they can, you know, provide for their family. You have more people getting into fishing so they can provide for their family. And it almost seems like, and, and more and more people kind of interested in where their food comes from, but you also have the other side of it where I think you have, I don't know, it seems like more and more people, you could say the same thing, more and more people just really don't care. Like, is that any sort of a challenge or do you just kind of, do you just kind of cater? Like when you were talking about banded, you were talking about whether you're in a city or whether you're a country boy, whatever, we want to appeal to you. Like when, when we talk about this, like a lot of people could care less where they're where their meat comes from. A lot of people could, they only want the cheapest meat and, and maybe they don't even want meat. I don't know uh, what people put in their body. It's, it's amazing to me sometimes, but where are you kind of walking that line? I don't, I don't think that we're ever going to slow down the fast food craze in America. You know, we're, (laughs) we're, we're that go, go, go society and people are addicted to it. Um, I mean, no, there, there's no question. Good. There's no question you people are addicted to it. They have food have scientists a, that work on it all the time. You don't stand a chance. You really don't. The regular person yeah, I mean, doesn't stand a chance. Yeah. And you look at that, you know, you look at issues that we have because of that with heart or obesity or being out of shape. I don't care what anybody says. <clears throat> you can tell me until you're blue in the face that it's okay to be out of shape. Nobody enjoys that. It's not comfortable. It doesn't feel right. It's not healthy. It's not, I want to be able to throw my daughter up in the swimming pool and and beat her in a race when she's 18. You know, that's my mentality. And I know that's Chad's and yours as well. And, but I think that, that this last 15 months, 18, 20 months of our lives, because it just, I said 15 months, but here we are in August and this pandemic's still going. I think that, I think that if I could show you my text log and my call log and my email log of non hunters coming out of the woodwork to borrow food like i'm gonna Mm. get it back and then (laughs) and then the and then the questions that arose out of it what you you called this turkey in where'd you catch this fish where 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 that deer backstrap what did you say that was called that's tenderloin what is this this is this is Mm. mallard duck taco or mallard duck stir fried right can i get some more food and i really think that this pandemic has shown people like hey when your store shuts down and you don't get to go in there and get your tp and your beef or I should say that in the other way, your beef and your TP, I get to do it in order. Um, I think it really, I think it really showcased the people that what if, what if we couldn't go to Trader Joe's or Sam's club or Costco? What if, what if we could, and I'm not saying that'll ever happen, but I, I think with the 1.4 million new hunters in America, the 770% increase in fishing licenses sold in America. Now our job now as hunters, fishers, conservationists, providers, gatherers is to, keep them in this to, right. to fly 
to fly the flag in the right light, to respect the resource, to have compassion for the animals that we pursue, and to show people that hunting is a right. It's also a privilege. But look, I had a podcast with Ted Nugent last week, and I said, Ted, hunting's a privilege. And he says, let me stop you right there, Chad. You know how much I love you and your show, Chad, but you are dead wrong. This is our God-given right. These animals were put on earth for our protein, and we have the right to manage these herds and manage these predators and do it with dignity and class and respect and compassion. We do have the right to defend our families and bear arms through the Second Amendment. But he educated me. It is our right to hunt and to live off the land. And I think more and more people from hippies to, to rednecks are freaking seeing that, oh my gosh, that duck stir fries. If I could eat with Chad, we did a, eight, a nine day photo shoot for 80 recipes for our cookbook. Me and Chad were literally hugging and high-fiving and we were, we, we probably would have done more than that if people weren't around with how, good, <laughs> with, how good, with how good this wild game tastes. It's just a different, it's the coolest lifestyle in the world to live off the land and to know where your food came from, grow a garden, catch a fish, teach somebody how to catch their own fish and call their own duck in and, and harvest it ethically, and then be able to skin it and pluck it and put it on that grill and render that fat and that skin and eat that high protein with nothing injected into it. Absolutely. 100%. I don't care if you've, if you're undefeated in the UFC, like Khabib is, or if you're Mike Tyson, being a hunter and a fisher and a provider is 100% the coolest lifestyle known to man. I'm with you, man, all the way. I do yeah. believe, though, that there are just a lot of people that are completely out of touch with it. And when you see, you know, lots of people, you know, all these people getting into it, it is it is our job right now to 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 keep them here, just like exactly what you said. And I and I think that they they need to know some ethics too, like hunting, fishing ethics, good behavior, so that th- you don't have seven hundred and seventy thousand people ruining your 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 fishing trip, right? Like I think, and that's what we're doing at Waypoint is trying to figure out how how do you educate those people, how do you connect with them, and do it in a way to where you're not talking down to them, you're 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 helping them. Right. And you're, you're doing it in a way that is kind of like a, a, an, an entertainment based education of the way, the proper way to act in the woods, the proper way to act. Well, on the keep water. doing that. Please. Keep yeah, we're doing trying. That. It's keep a challenge. It. It's, it's it absolutely is. a challenge. We, we don't need to see a coyote suffering in a snare. I don't want to hear anybody ever say again, F a coyote. Coyote's the most adaptable animal on the world, in the world, on the planet. You put them at the South pool, they'll meet you back at your front door before you get back there. These <laughs> We don't need to show disrespect for We don't need to kill 300 snow goose in the conservation season and then show pictures of us just throwing them out of our truck like they're cordwood. These are animals that gave it up for our substance, for our family, for our friends, for homeless shelters, for food banks, for soup kitchens. These animals died for a reason. So as hunters, let's show it in the right light. If you're going to show a, a, a grip and grin picture, do it right. I don't need to see the exit wound. I don't need to see how much blood. I don't need to see a coyote looking at me with those eyes because he knows he's about ready to get smoked in that snare. Let's do it right. And let's show people that we hunters are the ultimate conservation. If it wasn't for hunters, there's no turkeys. No there's doubt. no geese in the Atlantic flyway. There's no elk in the Rocky mountains. I'll keep going with sheep and mule deer. And well, I, I, if you I, didn't, I, I, if you didn't stop the wetlands, there'd be a strip mall built on every, every, every swamp that there is. There'd be no ducks. Like There'd the, be no ducks. It's, it's no all ducks. hunters. And then you have the self-imposed tax and, and everything else that, that hunters and fishermen put their money where their mouth but is. I'll, but I'll end, it, I'll end it by saying this, and I truly appreciate you having us on, is in the day and age where we're all influencers and we're all 
famous because we have thousand followers and we all have credibility and we all have this insta famous attitude we've more than ever we've got to be diligent in our approach because we're under attack every single day where chad's sitting right now you cannot buy ammunition without a background check i have had over 50 calls i counted them yesterday 50 texts and calls from californians that can't buy ammo for dove so wow. if you think about dove season opening up in two weeks and all those Californians, kids, sons, daughters, nieces, nephews can't go out with dad or grandpa or aunt and uncle and shoot a morning dove to put on the grill with some orange marmalade, that's absolutely ludicrous to me. So it starts in California and everything moves eastward. And we mm -hmm. got to we got to be diligent in, in, in keeping this lifestyle and the culture of the American hunter alive, because like I said, I can't imagine waking up and saying, I'm not going hunting tomorrow. That would be absolutely crazy. So I appreciate what you're doing. And, and Mendez, you're a badass. We all know that. And I think we all just need to stay together. Drop the egos. Let's not have all this interfighting going on between hunters. Oh, you shoot across. I ride Chad's butt every day. You shouldn't shoot a turkey with a bow. He knows I'm kidding. If it's legal and ethical, go do it. But do it Man. with dignity, class, and respect. And if it's legal and ethical... Let's all drop the ego and support each other because we're all in the same team. I am with you 100% on that one. And it goes the same thing for the fishermen. You got the fly fishermen fighting against the spin fishermen and the commercial fishermen fighting against the recreational guys. Man, you got to stick together. That is something that I am really, really opposed to is the infighting between different styles because it, it makes our voice so weak when when you have only fly fishermen pushing this this cause well there's 30,000 of them there's 200,000 of them call it whatever it is that they're millions if you don't do the infighting the same in the hunting same in the fishing and you're exactly right we are we are under attack um but anyway you guys got so much cool stuff going on and um I just, I just love it. And Chad, it's, uh, it's been really cool to talk to you. Been a fan for a long time. Watched all your fights. Look at there. You Thank got, you. you oh, were already, you were already, look at you. I'm even look more impressed those. with building. He was already had everything going. <laughs> Chad, how's this it. for product placement? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> all right. What's your next chip? What's your next, uh, trip or I guess when's your fight? You got a fight in October. Is that right? Yeah, October 22nd. Um, like I said, I'm sneaking away here on the 30th of this month. I'm going to go do a couple day uh, Wyoming antelope archery hunt and then back in the training. And then um, you got elk hunt? Two day, two, no, I got I'm, all my, all my, pretty much all my August and September big hunts mm. uh, had to get postponed till next year. But um, I have a couple California tags I'm going to hopefully try to fill here and there. Well, in, in um, Rocky, in Rocky, um, Mick always said, women weaken legs. I'm pretty yeah. sure that elk do weaken legs. Like there's a lot of climbing. Oh, yeah. Maybe you might, <laughs> yeah. it might not be the oh, best yeah. year to do that. <laughs> yeah. No. All right. Tom, you got to meet us. Tom, you got to meet us in Chandler, Arizona on October 22nd for Chad's fight. I'll be there. Oh yeah. Let's do it. I'll yeah, go, gonna, man. I'll go. We'll put together a cool after party too. Maybe we'll get Traeger to be a part of it and do some growing again. Oh, that'd be uh, awesome. Yeah. Fight, Let's so. do it. Make make sure Guida shows up. Uh, he'll be there. Okay. I'll come. I'll come. If you invite me, I'll come. I promise you. Let's go. Heck yeah. All right. Sounds good. We're not, not going to Arizona. There's no fish in there. I was gonna say as long as there's fish in Guido will be there. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll just we'll just have to take a trip right before, maybe. Uh-huh. Uh, 
I hope I hope he'll uh, make it down to the keys here shortly. Um, but we yeah. we had him on the show. We haven't we haven't edited that show yet, so that one's going to be one of the first ones that comes out in uh, in January. But anyway, man, it's awesome to to talk to you guys, get to know you a little bit better. I look forward to doing this again with you. You're welcome on the podcast anytime. And um, awesome. If they want to follow you, if they want to check out all your stuff, you only have like 40 different companies that we've talked about. <laughs> but maybe you can condense it into one place or a couple of places they could go to to find you. Yeah, for me, just at Chad Mendez, and it's M-E-N-D-E-S, not a Z. Um, and then at Fins and Feathers Guides, Fins and Feathers, spelled with Zs. It's <laughs> confuse you guys real bad. Um, and then Belding can take it. I, that's all my stuff. And then Belding. We're, we're, on, we're on Instagram and Facebook at The Foul Life TV, obviously F-O-W-L Life TV. And uh, our website's foullifethefoullife.com. And the providerlife.com. You can also find all the provider rubs online too. I mean, uh, on Instagram at the provider life. So we appreciate it, Tom. This has been awesome. And uh, I'm going to be at Talladega in October. You ought to drive up from the keys and come sure, check man. out some racing. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. My daughter's at yeah. Auburn right now. So maybe it's not that far away. Oh, yeah. Cool. So. We'll talk. Chad, put us in touch. I appreciate all your time, Tom Mendez. I'll talk to you soon. You bet. Okay. All right, guys. You guys. Thanks. Thank you.